morning, begin a series in the book of Proverbs, and if you're with us today and without a Bible, just flag one of these guys coming up the aisle right now, and they'll get a Bible into your hands marked to our passage, and if you don't own a Bible, make that uh, Bible a gift to you today, and make it your own, and on Sunday nights we go through the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, we begin a new book, finish John uh, last week, and we'll begin uh, the book of Acts this evening as we make our way through uh, one of the most, Acts chapter 1, one of the most important chapters in the Bible, and uh, each of you are invited to come out this evening for that. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. To understand a proverb and an enigma, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the, your word and just the broad diversity of it, the beauty of it, the necessity of every single portion of it. And we pray that you would take these seven verses off of the printed page of the Bible that's before us and, and bring it into our lives, Lord, into the daily, the living, the nitty-gritty of our lives. We pray for that work of your Holy Spirit today. We pray that you would give us a, um, a spirit of understanding what it is that is on your heart and what it is that's important to you and uh, to see the beauty of your wisdom and your truth today as we study it as well. And we ask for this work of your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. This morning, I, we begin what I think is going to be, I hope is going to be an unhurried and I hope a helpful uh, study of the book of Proverbs on Sunday mornings. And I've entitled the series, uh, Timeless uh, Wisdom. That is uh, the idea and the understanding related to the book of Proverbs that what we come to here in this book is wisdom that is past the test of uh, of time as opposed to man's wisdom, so-called wisdom today, uh, the wisdom that is uh, born out of uh, a rebellion against God, so it, it becomes a so-called wisdom, uh, a wisdom that is born out of man's pride, and, uh, and it is not passing uh, the test of time. Uh, so much of what is going on in terms of calling itself wisdom today, the great experiment concerning wisdom all around us, can't pass the test, uh, 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 time test of uh, 10 years or a year uh, or even the, the moment. This week I read, uh, I was reading Psalm 145, incidentally, and a line in it jumped out in me in this regard in Psalm 145, verse 4. One generation shall praise your works to another. And it communicates the fact that God's wisdom is unchanging. And it is a cause for praise in every generation. It never needs to be edited. The world changes, technology changes, all kinds of things change in life. But man does not change at his core. And uh, God's wisdom does not change at all. God's wisdom has been blessing lives uh, since this Solomon wrote this book a thousand years ago. It blessed lives in whatever was the technological or the what was called modernity in 300 BC and 300 AD and 1000 AD, 1600 AD and today. It has served mankind in bringing us into a wisdom that we would never otherwise know. We aren't going to study every verse of the book in the way that we would with a New Testament epistle and, and head through it in that way, but we'll address it on the basis of uh, the main subjects that are, some of the main subjects that are addressed in the book. Everything from marriage to parenting to 
uh, family, to friendship, to integrity, to honesty, to treatment of the poor, to the virtues of hard work, and, and, uh, and its opposite in terms of uh, being unvirtuous, laziness, to justice, so many things that are in this book and that we'll be covering. The theme or the subject of the book of Proverbs is wisdom. It is a very simple purpose, and that is it teaches us how to live uh, wisely. And to live wisely is to live in a way that blesses God, and to live in a way that blesses our fellow man, and then to live in a way that is also a blessing uh, to us. Somebody has encapsulated the book of Proverbs in this way. Here are God's laws from heaven for how we are to live life here on earth. And that's what the book of Proverbs is about. How to live life in the nitty gritty of this uh, fallen world. And so it follows the Psalms, what the Psalms are to our devotional life. Uh, Invaluable. The book of Proverbs and the wisdom that is found there uh, is uh, equally valuable to our uh, practical, so to speak, or our active life. Not only is the wisdom uh, found in the book of Proverbs timeless, uh, but our need for its wisdom is timeless uh, as well. Uh, This book as we read it, we recognize today as much as any generation has recognized the need for uh, God's wisdom to be out into circulation among all of these uh, things that are so-called wisdom all around us. Wisdom is different from knowledge. Wisdom is knowledge rightly applied. Wisdom is the proper application of knowledge. And here you have the world that we live in and, and our nation with us is growing exponentially in terms of knowledge. But the condition of the world as a whole and the condition of uh, lives individually uh, are, uh, are not on the whole getting better. And we ask ourselves why. And the reason is, is because people lack the wisdom for how to properly use or apply all this knowledge that we're gaining uh, by the day at this time in human history. Today we know more about husband and wife relationships and child rearing than ever before in human history. With all of our testing, with all of our studies, and yet the condition of the family unit in the United States of America has never been in worse shape in in our history. We know more about the criminal mind than ever before, and yet our jails and our prisons are fuller than they've ever been before. We know more about the destructiveness of drugs and of alcohol than ever before, and yet there aren't enough treatment centers available to deal with and to treat the addicted. These things are uh, at an epidemic level within, uh, within our culture and within our society. And the problem with our nation and our world today, and maybe concerning your individual life, it doesn't stem supremely from a lack of knowledge but from a lack of wisdom concerning how to rightly apply all of this knowledge. Our problems are firmly uh, tied to and founded in an ignorance of God's wisdom concerning how we are to live our lives. And so in this country that we live in, we extol knowledge, we honor knowledge, but virtually ignore the subject of wisdom. And why do we do that? Because wisdom gets sticky for people who want nothing to do with God. Because to declare something to be wise, to declare that there is actually something called wisdom uh, in life, that there is an actual right way to live, and as a result, a wrong way to live, then raises the question, who has the wisdom and the moral authority to define wisdom and to call upon us to obey those definitions of wisdom and that inevitably brings you to God. 
which then makes us personally responsible for the lives that we live independent of his wisdom, and then it makes us personally responsible for our lives becoming a casualty as a result of that, whether in part or in whole. And since personal responsibility for our decisions and for the lives that we live are not something that we are at all interested in in our culture presently, uh, we continue to make knowledge the great focus and the great goal and the great achievement in life while we completely ignore uh, the subject of wisdom. And then in order to protect ourselves as a uh, society from God and from the personal responsibility to obey Him, we come up with the folly of the idea that there is no wisdom in life. That wisdom simply doesn't exist. That there is no such thing as something that can be called truth. And certainly not in the realm of human behavior or in the realm of morality. And this so-called wisdom that is called folly all the way through the book of Proverbs, it goes unchallenged despite the fact that these new definitions of wisdom produce mountains and mountains of of victims. They are sacrifices to this secular religion and and not only within our nation, but within uh, the world itself. And it's evidenced in the lives of the vast majority of the homeless population. It's evidenced in our nation's rampant and ever-expanding addictions to drugs, to alcohol, to gambling, to sex, to pornography, to social media, to video games, to spending and materialism, to food, to violence, to crime, and worst of all, the addiction, the worst addiction of of all, the worst prison a person can put themselves in, and that is uh, the addiction to self or selfishness. Every man doing what was right in his own eyes and that is uh, the replacement of God's wisdom with man's wisdom, and indeed the idea that there is no absolute wisdom or truth in life, and the only thing that matters is individual uh, truth, that idea produced some of the darkest chapters in the history of the nation of Israel. And the greatest casualty of all being the blessing that God intends to produce within our life by imparting this wisdom uh, to us. The blessing again of living a life and knowing that I am. Living a life that I know is a blessing to God, that I know is a blessing to my fellow man, and to know that it is also a blessing uh, to me as well. Knowledge is a wonderful thing but knowledge must always be governed by wisdom. And our current national and cultural scene reminds me of the old joke about the person who became so broad-minded that all of their brains fell out. Well, it's funny when it represents a very small minority within our family or within a culture or within a nation. It's no longer funny when it begins to mark the thinking and, and the view uh, of a significant portion uh, of the culture. But again, all of it testifies to the fact that not only is God's timeless, but man's need for God's wisdom is timeless as well. And here I think it's important to remember Jesus's observation, vital observation in terms of, of wisdom. And I know that I spoke about this on a Sunday morning very recently, but it bears repeating here in this, in this context. Jesus taught, but wisdom is justified by her children. And, and I, I can get passionate about that statement of Jesus because I lived so much of my childhood and so much of my life apart from his wisdom and paid a terrible price for it. And so Jesus said, wisdom is justified by her children. In other words, the ultimate test of wisdom or truth is the quality 
of person that it produces. Uh, Wisdom is justified by the type of person it produces. True wisdom earns the right to be called wisdom in any thinking society on the basis of the quality of person it produces. And wisdom is not wisdom simply because it declares itself to be wisdom. It's not wisdom by decree. It's not wisdom simply because uh, someone stands up and declares it to be wisdom. Wisdom always has had to earn the right to be called wisdom and the freedom to look at the quality of life that what passes for wisdom produces and then determine whether that is truly wisdom or not. And true wisdom is not true wisdom if it produces unholy people, if it produces addicted people, sin-addicted people, sexually immoral people, self-destructive people, self-dominated people, violent people, hopeless people, on and on the list goes. And yet today we're told that wisdom is wisdom even when it unfailingly produces this quality of human being so, so called and, and that quality of life. Wisdom is not wisdom simply because it declares itself to be that, even if the whole world rises up and calls it wisdom. Well, in verse 1, we get an introduction to the book, and the introduction begins. In verse 1, we're told that the, the book of Proverbs was written by uh, in, in, in the form of Proverbs, and it comes in large part from King Solomon, the son of King David. There are exceptions to this in the book of Proverbs, uh, notably in chapters 30 and 31, where uh, those chapters are ascribed openly to uh, Agur and then King Lemuel. In the Bible, Solomon, King Solomon, was renowned for his wisdom. His wisdom, we even have a saying that talks about the wisdom of Solomon. Uh, The wisdom that Solomon had and he possessed was a wisdom that had been supernaturally given to him uh, by God. 1 Kings chapter 4. And God gave Solomon wisdom and exceeding great understanding and largeness of heart like the sand on the seashore. And thus Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the men of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt. He was wiser than all men. Solomon authored, we are told, over 3,000 proverbs. That's no small thing. If you've ever tried to write a proverb that anyone would care to memorize, uh, or care to, uh, to remember at all. Some of the uh, modern-day proverbs that uh, have uh, take, uh, given that kind of life in modern times, sayings like, uh, better late than never. Uh, the early bird gets the worm. Haste makes waste. Uh, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Honesty is the best, best policy. policy. Don't judge a book by its cover. The grass is always greener on the other side. These are the kind of proverbs that have come uh, into human usage uh, over time. But when you stop and think about uh, how few there are compared to uh, how many people have endeavored, millions and millions of people existed, endeavored to produce this kind of wisdom and then in a way that could be uh, terse or could be a, a short and uh, over so many thousands of years. The Proverbs that we find here in the book of, uh, of Proverbs, uh, they are inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's interesting that Solomon also authored 105 songs we're told in 1 Kings chapter 4, among them famously the Song of Solomon. And the book of Proverbs is a part of a section of the Bible of the Old Testament that is known as the books of poetry. It includes the book of Job, it includes Psalms, it includes Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Solomon. And so by the Holy Spirit, it appears that 
uh, uh, Solomon wrote Song of Solomon relatively early in his adult life. He wrote the Proverbs uh, again relatively early in his adult life before he went on his uh, long backslide. And then uh, he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes as he reflected upon the folly of those years uh, uh, late in life and, uh, and uh, a warning against following the path that he took. When I think about the book of Proverbs, I always think about it as a, a gigantic uh, treasure chest, a spiritual uh, treasure chest. When I was a young boy, I can't speak for all young boys in, 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 in that day, but it, it was fairly represented among us. Uh, our dream was of finding some kind of a treasure waking up on a Saturday morning, having the whole day before us and finding some treasure and, and to find an old map and X marking the spot and beginning to dig. And then there it is, this old chest that's down in the ground. You need a couple of friends to lift it up out of the ground and you open it up and you discover that it's full of jewelry and crowns and full of gold and full of silver coins. I remember one time as a young boy following a rainstorm and seeing the rainbow, having been uh, taught as a good uh, Irish boy that there was, a tre- uh, there was treasure at the end of that rainbow and heading off to try and uh, find that treasure. I remember at about that uh, same age that uh, being taken to Disneyland for the first time and going on the ride uh, Pirates of the Caribbean and you come around that little water thing and then there's a mountain of treasure I mean gold and tiaras and crowns and and jewelry and and uh, and uh, uh, silver and seeing all of that and being wowed and I always think about Proverbs in that way because here on our laps and in our hands sits the greatest treasure of all the greatest source of pure wisdom in all of the world. And, and, it is, and it is a treasure that is eager on God's part to impart that into our lives and bring all of that kind of wealth into our, into our lives. It's kind of funny when we grow out of uh, childhood and we become adults and that uh, need for wisdom so often then replaces all of our fantasies about silver and gold and physical uh, treasure chests and physical kind of, uh, of, of uh, treasure. Sure, we wouldn't mind a little bit more of those things sometimes, but the most frequent prayer request that I'm asked to pray for people when they ask for prayer is always for wisdom. They're asking for wisdom in the situation that they're in whatever the thing is that they are facing. And when a person comes and asks for prayer and their greatest need is wisdom, there's nothing wrong with praying about anything and everything, but when there's that recognition that I need prayer in this situation, uh, it's the mark of a person who's come to value God's wisdom and his will for our lives, even above material things. We can read Solomon's uh, description of wisdom that's here in verses two through six and just kind of uh, drift over it and say, well, he's saying the same thing eight different ways. uh, But that's not what's happening here. Uh, Here Solomon lists eight uh, invaluable treasures that the book of Proverbs will introduce into our lives. You notice in verse two that it provides us with wisdom. Again, wisdom is the proper application of knowledge. What does it matter if I know everything in the world and I don't have the foggiest idea how to apply it to anything? And so uh, wisdom is only uh, good to the degree that it's governed, uh, or knowledge to the degree that it's governed by uh, wisdom. Wisdom is the who, what, where, when, why, and how of life and navigating life. I've mentioned it before that when I was in the ninth grade, I took a elementary and uh, introductory uh, journalism class. 
And the one thing that they drove home, uh, Mrs. Hildebrand, over and over again, yes, we remember your names if you're a teacher. And she would drive it home that you had to include at least five of those six things in every opening sentence or paragraph of an article. Uh, because that is what is most important to the reader. Who, what, where, when, why, and how. And it's not just true about newspaper articles, but it's true about life. Those are the big questions within our lives and, uh, and that we need answers to. Like, uh, who do I turn to or who do I avoid in this situation? What should I do in this situation? Where does this decision uh, lead me? When I enact this decision and uh, when should I do it and, and when should I talk with that person? Why should I do such and such in the way that, that, that God calls me to? How does one go about accomplishing this and so forth? And the wisdom to know the right thing to say, the right thing to do, and the right thing to, uh, to think in all of the diversity of life situation. Again, and I say it deliberately, in order that my life might be the blessing to God that I want it to be, that my life might be the blessing to my fellow man that I want it to be, and I want it to be that, and then a blessing to me uh, a, a, a blessed life to live for myself. You know, second, it, it, notice in verse 2 that it, this uh, Proverbs provides us with instruction. And uh, it, it doesn't provide us with uh, endless uh, fodder for uh, discussions. Uh, it doesn't give us a, a bunch of things to talk about. It provides us with wisdom that is just practical, rubber meets the road instruction for everyday life. I, I, I wonder if there has ever been a time in human history in which there has been so much talking and talking and talking and talking whether by mouth or by fingers or by thumbs, about absolutely nothing. The sheer amount of communication that goes on uh, in the world around us or a time when merely, as in our country, when merely talking about problems is put on a par with actually doing something about them. We actually think we fixed our problems by talking endlessly about those problems and, and uh, that talking is now on a par with solving those problems. When I was nine years old, I went to the movie theater and uh, that's when you could send your kid to the movies alone uh, at nine years old. And uh, I went to the movie theater and I saw My Fair Lady with Rex Harrison and, uh, and Audrey Hepburn. Probably should put it Audrey Hepburn and Rex Harrison. And I remember virtually all of the songs in that movie because I'm pretty much a musical guy. Um, but I do, I, I certainly remember uh, a couple of lines out of a song that she sang uh, of the song, Show Me. And she sings, words, 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 I'm so sick of words. I get words all the day through, first from him, now from you. Is that all you blighters can do? And that, that little part of that song comes to my mind regularly uh, within this modern culture that we live in. This word instruction also carries the idea of discipline. That is the training of the will uh, that it, as is required to then enter into a wise life. No one will ever enter into a wise life without some measure of discipline. And uh, all of this in contrast to actually believing uh, it, 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 that people can be trained and become disciplined in their lives. 
And this idea that people can be trained, that they can actually become disciplined human uh, beings, increasingly our culture is abandoning uh, this concept and this truth. And instead, it just simply dismisses anything that might require any real effort of someone to learn in life. And no more, it is especially true in the realm of morality or in the realm of, of, uh, of, of wisdom. And worse yet, how our culture deals with these things, not thinking that people can actually become disciplined and actually learn something, what we revert to now is to just simply legalize any behavior that might require some amount of discipline or some amount of, of wisdom on a person's part to overcome that uh, thing in their life. That is not wisdom. That is a folly, and it is a destructive folly, as we see it all around us, and one that's to be avoided. And the book of Proverbs will help us to do that. Third in uh, verse 2, it teaches us how to perceive or to discern words of wisdom. In other words, because wisdom is self-evident when you see it, you recognize it to be uh, wisdom. Uh, and uh, because the practice of it, 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 it makes it obvious that it's true wisdom, it will then help us to recognize any kind of truth claim in, in our age that is contrary and, and to recognize it to be false. True wisdom always accomplishes two things at once. It brings us into the blessings of the life of wisdom and then it helps us to discern what is not wise in order that we might uh, avoid that. And that is invaluable in a culture that has lost this element of discernment and uh, poo-poos the idea of actually examining the fruit of anybody's uh, ideas or what they believe or what they call wisdom. In verse 3, fourth, uh, Proverbs teaches us what uh, true wisdom, uh, justice, that is what is just, uh, judgment, that is how to judge, uh, and equity, that is fairness, what justice and uh, judgment and equity will look like in life. What uh, just what is just and right and fair looks like in the eyes of God and then how to live that kind of life. And again, this is so needed uh, within our nation, the place where God has called us to live uh, for Christ, where there is so much being spoken about today about justice and about equity and much of it runs completely contrary to God's definitions of justice and equity uh, in Proverbs and in the Bible. And all of these modern definitions and modern ideas that are contrary to God's uh, word in, in these realms will not only not help people, they will harm people as they are presently doing. And the book of Proverbs will help me not to become one of them. Fifth in verse four, it gives prudence to the simple. It's not talking about a simpleton, it's just talking about someone who lacks life experience. Uh, it, it, it is, it, it's someone who uh, is untaught concerning wisdom. And as a result of being untaught concerning wisdom, we, uh, the simple person is then vulnerable to buy uh, these uh, false ideas about wisdom that are circulating all around them and us. And the manipulation that is always behind these new ideas uh, of wisdom, and it protects even the simplest of people from becoming casualties of the so-called wisdom that is not wisdom in any age. In other words, through the book of Proverbs, it allows everyone to live a wise life. We can learn from it, uh, and, and one of the great things is, is that it, it is the way to become wise independent of uh, the famous school of hard knocks. 
Uh, everything doesn't have to be learned by mistake. Uh, and long decades so often invested in wrong beliefs and ideas. A person can become wise simply by uh, adhering to the wisdom that is found in God's Word. And this sixth in verse 4, it supplies knowledge and discretion to the young man or to the young person. And so it is the wisdom that is needed to make wise decisions and to plan wisely in life in order to navigate life skillfully. So it provides the young person in life, the young adult in life, who adheres to the teachings in Proverbs. It provides them with a wisdom that is, as we would say, far beyond their years. And uh, even, even greater than far beyond their uh, years. The young person who makes the book of Proverbs foundational to their character and, uh, and to their decision making will be light years ahead of their peers in this culture. In terms of higher ability, in terms of integrity, in terms of people skills, in terms of trustworthiness, and all kinds of things. To know the book of wisdom and then to live it by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit is an education that uh, will put a a young person way beyond uh, any generation in human history, certainly beyond the younger generation Uh, that's being nurtured by falsely so-called wisdom within our culture. We can possess a wise approach to life even at a young age. A, A person does not have to become old to become wise. We just have to become familiar with God's wisdom and then incorporate it uh, into our lives. I think it's wonderful to think about because he talks about the young person here. I remember very well. So that's why I talk about they and not we uh, in, in, in that regard. God does not want a single young person to endeavor to navigate the fallenness of this world apart from his wisdom because he knows that it can't be done not without becoming a casualty to some degree and thankfully no young person needs to and we owe much to the book of Proverbs uh, for that. Seventh in, in verse five, it will cause even a man who is already wise and the idea is an older uh, man, it will provide, uh, and here I can use us and me, it can provide us with, uh, it provides us with this needed and healthy challenge to continue to grow in wisdom all the days of our uh, uh, lives. No one will ever reach a point uh, in our lives where we can read the book of Proverbs and uh, say to ourselves, done. I've nailed it. It will always challenge us. And that's why you have so many and so many men and women who are older, who, uh, Christians who will read a chapter of the book of Proverbs, one chapter every day as a part of their uh, time with the Lord, uh, and through the month, 31 chapters, so it, meets, it matches a month, and they'll start all over again. Uh, the desire to be immersed in in wisdom and to be reminded of these things. And uh, anyone that does that realizes that God's wisdom is inexhaustible. It's never become something where we say, okay, I've got that down. And then eight and verse six, it helps us to understand a proverb and enigma and the words of the wise and their riddles. That is the book of Proverbs presents wisdom the truth about how to live life in a way that arrests our attention. It grabs our our attention and then it challenges us to investigate that proverb for the depth of its meaning or the depth of its application. 
I mean, it, it, you talk about, we talk about things being food for thought. You can take any proverb in the book of Proverbs and we will have food for thought for a day and more in terms of making it a meditation and then trying to seek out uh, the fullness of what is being told us usually just in a sentence or, uh, or uh, two. Additionally, I think that verse 6 also communicates that the book of Proverbs provides us with the wisdom to see life as clearly and as simply as God uh, intends us to. That is, without God's wisdom, trying to discover how to live life well, how to live it properly, it appears hopelessly complex especially with so many human voices telling us about how to live uh, uh, our lives and all of their uh, opinions. And so the more knowledge we get when it's not tempered with wisdom, the more knowledge we get, then we become convinced that how to live is is impossibly complex. No one could ever know how it is that we should live. And, uh, uh, and uh, uh, there is a f- famous philosopher uh, who is uh, uh, speaking from his own uh, experience and his own peers. He described uh, philosophy, uh, that search for uh, truth and for knowledge, uh, and uh, very often apart from God, most often apart from God, Uh, He described uh, philosophy as a blind man in a dark room looking for a black cat that isn't there. (laughs) And our culture looks at wisdom and morality in that way. It looks like it's just impossible because like many a philosopher, we get lost in our heads and it's not that complicated and the book of proverbs informs us that life is not as complicated as it is often made out to be or that uh, mere knowledge can make it uh, appear but life is actually very very simple but we do need god's wisdom in order to uh, find it and to live it Now let me close uh, briefly here in verse 7 by noticing the key that unlocks not only the introduction to the book, but it unlocks the entire book uh, and opens up all of these riches of God's wisdom to us, and that is the fear uh, of the Lord. Uh, This is uh, repeated uh, later in the book in uh, Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of uh, wisdom. Now, when it talks about the fear of the Lord, it's not talking about this cringing kind of uh, fear of God, but it talks about a person having a deep, deep awe of, of God, a deep, deep respect for who uh, He is and for what He is. It is to hold Him in the highest esteem, it is to fear him or respect him or uh, 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 hold an awe for him and a love for him that makes us fear offending him in any way. And here it speaks of an awe of God that will be expressed in our lives by our worship of him, by our submission to his authority, and then very importantly, by our obedience to his commandments. Psalm 128, verse 1, the psalmist put it this way, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. It is obedience to God's instruction that reveals a person to be one who fears God or not. People are always, and anybody that, anybody that looks into it related to our lives will say the same thing. Getting our heads around and defining in human terms this, 
this fear of God, this awe, this reverence for God. I mean, it's, it's hard to put into words, but who fears the Lord and who doesn't is as simple as can be. It's always revealed through obedience or through uh, uh, disobedience. And uh, why does a, a life marked by wisdom start with the fear of the Lord? It's because without a fear of the Lord, all of the treasure of the wisdom found in the book of Proverbs will go unclaimed. It will go unexperienced because they are only claimed and experienced as we obey the Proverbs that are found uh, in the book. Without a fear of the Lord that's revealed in obedience, uh, Solomon tells us that our study of the book going forward will be a complete waste of time because it will just become more knowledge. It only becomes a, a, a practical wisdom in our life as we bring it into our life. And so without a fear of the Lord, we will fail to apply it to our lives and, and the nitty-gritty of our lives. And it is the fear of the Lord that causes us to do that. The fear of the Lord is more than just believing that God exists. It communicates more than even being in a personal relationship with God that is being saved. Uh, it, 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 only God knows, I think, how many Christians there are whose minds contain mountains and mountains and mountains of wisdom. Even God's wisdom. There's almost nothing that you could teach them from the book of Proverbs that they don't already know that they haven't heard 10 times before in their life or 100 times before in their lives and yet their life is a shamble and they live in spiritual poverty. This wisdom never becomes an actual part of their lives because they don't fear God enough to obey Him. And no one knew this better than Solomon and the life that he lived. One of the chief examples of this in all of the Bible. The mountains and mountains and mountains of wisdom he possessed, and yet he lived so much of his life in absolute spiritual uh, poverty. I always think of him as the man who possessed tremendous wisdom, but for most of his life never applied it to his own uh, life. And why was that so? not complicated. It's because he lacked the fear of the Lord and he uh, knew it. It's the fear of the Lord that causes me to take all of this priceless wealth off of the printed page in the book of Proverbs and then to introduce it practically into my life. But Solomon's life also teaches us that it's never too late to reverse course in this regard as he did later in his life in recognizing the folly of him uh, going away from God's wisdom and being seduced by his own uh, wisdom, as his book of Ecclesiastes made clear, happened to him later in life. And so, uh, to close out verse 7, I think with re a, a refreshing uh, clarity that marks the book of Proverbs, we're also told that it's only a fool who despises wisdom and instruction, speaking of God's wisdom and instruction. So contrary to popular opinion, it is not knowledge or wisdom that lies at the heart of a person's rejection of God's wisdom or scorning of God's wisdom that is so prevalent within our culture, it is always pride and it is always a spirit of rebellion against God and His uh, authority. And so for those of us here this morning that are saved, it's an introduction, but it's a vital introduction that, uh, I mean, here we are, we're going along, and then, and then Solomon has to just wreck the whole thing by talking about the fear of the Lord. We were, we were all having a perfectly good time till he did that. 
But he, he, know, he, he knew better that. And so he's telling us at the, at the outset of this, before we go deeper into the book, do I fear God? And do I fear him enough to not just read and learn about his wisdom as we go through the book, but uh, do I fear him and love him enough to then be willing to obey his wisdom whatever that wisdom may demand of me. And so Solomon, again, knowing better than most that that's where it must start or all the time will be completely lost and wasted. And so he knows us well, and that's what he speaks to us about uh, as it relates to this book. It's the only way it opens up to us and changes our lives. If you sit here this morning and you're not yet a Christian, um, and maybe your first time in church is going to be a little overwhelming for you. The, the, what God wants you to know is that the wisest thing you can do today is to put your faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and be born again into the relationship with God that you have been created for. That's where all of this begins for you. And if you have never trusted in Jesus and been born again, committed to becoming his disciple, his follower, and entering into a personal relationship with God, there are going to be pastors and other men and women up in front immediately after the service, and they'd love to pray with you to begin that relationship with the Lord here today. Let's stand together now, and we'll close in prayer. Father, we thank you for this needed introduction to the book of Proverbs. In fact, as we look at it, we're so glad that you didn't inspire Solomon to just head straight into the wisdom and just start saying it without developing within us a recognition for how desperately we need wisdom to navigate this world and to navigate life. And then, Lord, to also realize that that wisdom can only have its fullest effect as we fear you enough to obey you. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you that we do not wake up as your children every morning trying to figure out what is wise and what is true every day to start the day, but we're able to operate from this priceless, priceless wisdom and truth that you have provided to us. We have, Lord, as Christians, we have explored the beauty of this life, the richness of this life uh, to, to some degree and to enough of a degree to count ourselves blessed and to count ourselves rich, to know you, to be your children, and to be thankful for your discipleship in speaking your truth and wisdom into our lives. We have never regretted it. Thank you for your truth. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.